Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, as we, as we go to prayer, we are especially aware of the fact that families are going to gathering together, and, and uh, we all, of course, pray for a, uh, a joyous, warm uh, Christmas season that's full of too much food, too much drink, too much this, too much that, but a whole lot of love, and you can never get enough of that. So this is a time for us as a, as a church and a family to uphold one another in prayer, and, and especially to, the, to remember the least of our brothers and sisters there are people in our community who will go through this day that's coming up next Saturday alone, completely alone, untouched by family or friends, and uh, we need to remember them in our prayers as well. Let's uh, bow together as, as, we, as we pray. I, I just want to lift up a couple of items First off, Gloria Dominic, Dominic's daughter is going through a, a rather extreme cancer surgery and, and recovery, and so please keep Gloria's daughter in your prayers. And Jim Anderson in our church lost his wife within the last couple of years, and then just a couple of weeks ago lost his daughter, Christine. And so we, we need to um, remember I, I can't imagine being predeceased by one of my own children, and, um, and it's so hard. So I, I don't know that there's a greater pain than that in human life. But we, we uphold one another, we love one another, and care for each other, and watch out for each other. Let's bow together. And Father, we're reminded you you had to watch your son die. You had to turn your face from him. Lord God, there's no pain that we encounter in this life that you haven't known it in, in an extraordinary manner, a manner that taps deep into the the deep feeling that you have for all of your children, for this creation, for this world that you've made. Lord, we, we pray especially this morning for, for Jim Anderson uh, that, and ask that he would find the strength in looking to your son to endure such horrific loss, one on top of the other, first his wife and now his daughter. Lord God, we grieve with him. And we pray also for Gloria. We ask, O oh Lord, that her daughter might be carried through this time, reminded that your son is the great physician who is watching over her. Lord, as she goes from surgery to, to radiation and chemotherapy, Lord God, I pray that you would be with her and remind her of your overwhelming love and give her strength, give her a clear vision for going beyond this and, and re restoring life 
to the full. Lord, as we are even now in, in the midst of the Christmas season, may we be reminded of our responsibility as, as your children to carry this good news, to embody this good news wherever we are in our community, with family, friends, in all of these parties that happen. Lord, these parties are celebrating something that really lacks full explanation. These parties celebrate you taking on human flesh and you living amongst us. It's a celebration of our redemption because of your son, the great sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Lord, there's not really a point at which we can fully explain the Christ event. You're taking on our nature and walking among us, living among us, healing us and bearing our sin. So Lord, we celebrate and it's worthy of our celebration. It's worthy of all we are. And so Father, I pray that this might be a season that even though there are so many forces to secularize it and to remove the core reality of of what this season is all about. May we embody this with one another, with others. May we show that love that you have first shown to us. And thereby, O oh Lord, may, may our, our warmth toward others bear the sweet aroma of your Son in all that we do and all that we are with. Lord, we continue to pray for our world nation. Lord, there are natural catastrophes that have broken out recently and great human suffering and loss. Lord, there continues to be wars and rumors of wars, civil strife, and, and evil actions against others. Lord God, there are forms of deceit that are expressed widely to full nations. Lord, we're concerned. We're concerned about what's going on in Putin, with Putin in Russia, and with, with China in relationship to Taiwan. Lord God, we, we ask that this might not be a time or fresh wars to break out. We ask, O oh Lord, that our, our national leadership might operate with wisdom, courage, discretion, and care. We know, Lord, that it is your Son who embodies peace and brings it to us. And yet we foul, a thing, we foul everything up. Our human nature doesn't really care for the realities of peace. And so, Lord, we ask that this, at this time, in this world, that your peace may reign. We ask this even as we pray, as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, the angels went to the shepherds, and the shepherds went to the cradle. And they didn't have anything, but they, they brought their joy, and they, they brought their amazement at what they saw. And so we likewise bring our joy, we bring our amazement, even as we bring our gifts to our God. We bring to God our tithes and offerings.
And we thank you, Father, for all you've done. And we celebrate the reality of your coming to us in your love. We ask now, O oh Lord, that as we receive your word, as we receive your good news, that our lives might be transformed according to your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Friday night, see, what, what's Friday? Mary, you were doing the announcement. Oh, she forgot Christmas Eve. <laughs> Friday night's Christmas Eve, 7 o'clock here. And, um, you know, we've got a restaurant, and they use this parking lot, so we, we can use those parking, that parking lot across the street. We have exclusive use of that. So, 7 o'clock, and uh, we hope to see everyone here. And, and, of course, we'll do the candle thing and all of that. It'll be a wonderful time. And I grew up as a kid hating Christmas Eve service because it went so long and it was so hot in the, in the church. And so we try to make sure that we stay inside an hour. I shoot for about 50 minutes, and uh, we try to keep this place cool, even though it's warm outside. So we'll gather together again on, on Friday night at, uh, at 7 o'clock. And... On Friday night, we will use the entire portion of this passage from which I'm reading, but I'm going to be focusing this morning on the shepherds. And so hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. That night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So we have this idea of the, sh of the shepherds. And they are romanticized by our Christmas cards and our carols. And, and we think of these noble men watching, watching the flocks at night. And, and then the angel, heaven, uh, the angel choir opens up. All of heaven brightens up. And... And they see it, and we've seen the movies and everything else, and all these guys look so good. They look so nice. And, um, but shepherds were despised. They were despised. They typically represented the very lowest of the low in the first century. And, and People didn't like it. They smelled. They were considered thieves. They, um, they were ritually unclean. Uh, they, were, they were just complete lowlifes, the shepherds. And rather than these noble men out watching the sheep by night, they were probably passing a, a wineskin back and forth as, as they were out there. And they, they were... Uh, they were probably sleeping half the night as well. And they, they were not what we present them to be. What we present them to be is nice, and, and we don't want to ruin Christmas. But um, that's the reality of it. Even though, even though Abraham was a shepherd, the great patriarch, um, Moses, when God came to him at the burning bush, he was watching sheep. 
And of course, David was the least of the brothers of, Jesse, of the sons of Jesse, and he was out watching sheep after all of the older sons had been paraded by Samuel to select who would be the next king. So sheep herding, shepherding, had a deep and, and, and noble tradition. But by the time we get to the first century, these, these are those that others avoided. They looked down on. And it's hard to identify a similar element within our own culture or society. But it's almost like, who do you, who's out there that you trust the least? Who, who would you trust the absolute least? That would be an equivalent to what these shepherds were. And, and yet they were a, it was a type, it was a, a group, it was a, a profession, so to speak. But it was, they, were, they were judged as a group of, of a type of people. And that's always dangerous. And we look at people as types. We look at them as a particular kind of people. And it's always dangerous when we do that because we, we, we bring to those persons our, our prejudice. And we bring to those, before we even meet them, we've already got a bunch of pre, preconceived notions about them. So let's say, let's say a, um, a bunch of neo-Nazis was going to march down Fifth Avenue. And they came and they had their regalia on and they did all that. It'd be hard to even identify with an individual of the group. Or Antifa. And they were going to do a celebration out here. Or, or a demonstration. Mostly peaceful. But it'd be hard to identify with them because they are part of a group and so we think of them through their group identity rather than through who they are as persons and as individuals. Came across this article not long ago by a, uh, a writer from The Dispatch, Jonah Goldberg. He says, at the core of classical liberalism is the idea that the individual is sovereign. You cannot assign guilt to an individual just because he or she is a member of some group. The idea that I can make meaningful judgments about your character or integrity going just by the color of your skin or your gender is bigotry. Perhaps the best thing about American culture is the habit of the heart that says, take people as you find them. We are all parts of groups. We all have some kind of identity that starts with family and it several circles out from there. And we have those things that, that we identify with, but that don't necessarily define us. They are not who we are. Even though we may be part of a car club or, a, or the moose club or whatever it may be, we identify with the moose lodge, but it doesn't make us meese or moose or mooses or what. Our identity, our identity is all wrapped up in who God made us to be. And when we get beyond all of those exterior things, 
Then we see, we see a human soul. So the heavens opened, and God descended to these who were the least, the most despised. And he, the Lord God, through his angels, sang of the glory of the birth of his son. And they went. And I wonder if what Mary and Joseph thought when these smelly guys come to, the, come to the stable. At least, I mean, it was bad enough as it was. A stable, barnyard animals around, and uh, a, a birth, messy. And then these guys come. And I wonder what they thought. But they came. And they celebrated. And they, they went out and they, they had great joy. And they, they told other people. And they couldn't believe that they had experienced what they'd experienced. And they, they went into kind of a, almost a state of giddy foolishness because of what they'd experienced. And you know, Christmas time is a time when we, when we can become kind of foolish. We can, we can celebrate. Think about it. We don't celebrate things that we can figure out. Two plus two equals four is nothing to celebrate about. But we celebrate those things that we can't understand and we can't somehow explain, but somehow we know it's true. Two plus two equals nine? That's amazing. That's incredible. We can celebrate that. That God took on human flesh is amazing. We can celebrate that. G.K. Chesterton said, one who has faith must be prepared not only to be a martyr, but to be a fool. That we are willing to be foolishly, joyously expressive of, of this reality that has broken in upon us, that, that God has taken on human flesh. Crazy stuff. Not that the women of our church were foolish on the trolley on Wednesday night. <laughs> but they all got on there, probably, uh, I don't know, 35, 40 of them, and they had their silly hats on. They were all laughing and giddy, and they were having so much fun. And, and they were, they, they rode the trolley down Fifth Avenue, laughing hard, singing loud, behaving poorly. <laughs> they were having the time of their lives, and they came here and they were met by elves. <laughs> now, just so you know how the elves were so sophisticated, Ken, would you show what it looks like to be an elf? <laughs> As people of faith, 
not only must we learn to give our lives, but we learn to give our dignity. So the, the ladies were not riding very respectfully in the trolley, singing joy to the world, the Lord. They were singing uproariously, laughing. And because of their foolishness, others along Fifth Avenue were waving and clapping and singing along. And, and there was this infection that happened because 2 plus 2 equals 9. Because something has happened that we can't explain that goes beyond our capability of wrapping our minds around, and yet we know it's true. And we live into that truth, we, pro we proclaim that truth, and that truth transforms us, changes us, makes us, makes us new. And, and in that, that place of, I'm calling it foolishness, we learn not to take ourselves all that seriously. We learn some, some deep human realities, things like humor, humility. We learn to laugh and just, we don't take ourselves so seriously. We take others seriously, but not ourselves. And so we, as a, as a people who've experienced something that is beyond our comprehension, we break forth with great joy. And yes, that if, if God's children are willing to be fools, they're willing to be martyrs because it is a truth that is a deep transformative truth that taps into our very souls. And so we are reminded of the martyrs of the church who've gone before us, who sang in the face of their executioners. That foundational truth is what we celebrate. And the reality is that what the, ex what the shepherds experienced was how great the Father's love is, how far down it'll go, that there is no one beneath his grasp the least of our brothers and sisters, the least of those, those that we are glad to hate. We love to hate the haters. But the Lord our God loves even them. And so there is no depths below which we can descend where the, the love of God is not capable of reaching us. That's where that phrase in the Apostles' Creed it says he descended into hell. He descends into your hell and into my hell. He descends into your lowest place and my lowest place, and he loves us even then. He loves us when we're at the end, when we're so discouraged and we're so broken, even when we fight off that temptation to do harm to ourselves. The Lord our God comes to us and his hands undergird us even then. He descends to our dark, muddy place. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, one may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, 
then gone with a splash, vanishing, rushing down through the green and warm water into black and cold water, down through the increasing pressure of death-like region of, zoo, of ooze and slime and old decay, and then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till he suddenly breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing he went down to recover, the pearl. He and it are both colored now that they have come up into the light down below where it lay colorless in the dark. He lost his color too, but he descended to us to retrieve us as a diver retrieves that oyster with the pearl. Likewise, God comes and he takes on our nature. He descends to our place, no matter how low we may find ourselves. And he retrieves us. And when he bursts forth into the light again, there's great joy at, at our being retrieved. Or as we say in church land, we have been redeemed. We have been captured by his love. So it is in this way that God's people are to view one another likewise. When I was in high school, there was a kid who was hated. Kid, he was small, kind of spindly. He always smelled bad. And he was always alone. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, I'm a Christian. I avoid him too. But I call myself a Christian. And so out of, out of that sense of, of concern, care, and a sense of responsibility, I began to befriend him, invited him to joined me when I took, took a bunch of guys out to football games because I was before basketball and I was able to drive. I was older than most of the guys. and He came along. And he became a friend. And he became friend of others. And it was just a positive experience for me to see the transformation that happens just when we reach out and befriend another, just when we show love to one another. And it was, a, it was just a positive experience. He ended up connecting with one of the other guys, and they became best friends. And, and, and he wasn't hated anymore, just because he belonged. And so it is for you and me. We all, we all have a responsibility to love one another. I love to say around here, don't let anyone out the doors without putting a love on them first. And, and there's, there's the foolishness behind that phrase is that God, in his foolish love for us, has retrieved us and brought us in the bright light of his love and his grace. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you that there is no depths to which we might descend. 
or we are out of your reach. We may not comply. We may not respond. But you keep trying. Until we know that we're loved. Until we know that we can be embraced. Not just by you, O Lord, but by your children. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.